Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Welcome back to Cannabis Grand Rounds. My name is Dr. Hal Altman and joining me this morning to finish up our discussion of pharmacodynamics with cannabinoids is Dr. Lee Vinicor. Lee, the last time uh, we talked about THC and its effects at receptors CB1 and CB2, and then we started to talk a little bit about uh, CBD and the fact that it has a different receptor site target. I should say targets. There are multiples. There is one of these targets, which is called GRP55. Can you talk a little bit about what that receptor is and, and what its function is? Yeah, so uh, it's another G-coupled, G-protein-coupled receptor. It functions in a lot of different places all around the body in our nervous system. So, for instance, one example is it can initiate what we call osteoclastic activity. And that means that it breaks down bone. You know, we, we constantly remodel our bone. You know, that's how when you come when you break a bone, it can heal. So the osteoclastic activity actually causes bone resorption. And if we have too much of that, especially women as they age, they can get osteoporosis. So there is this belief that interacting with that receptor that CBD can actually be protective and kind of prevent that activity and osteoporosis. But again, a lot of these things are, you know, done in animal or preclinical trials. So so there are some fairly wild claims out there uh, regarding CBD and uh, its potential as an anti-cancer agent uh, and many other uh, functions that sometimes sound too good to be true. There uh, are other potential functions that have been reported for GRP55 concerning cancer. Can you uh, help us understand that a little bit? Yeah, so GRP55 receptor inhibition, again, the same way we inhibited that to prevent bone breakdown. There are some studies that say inhibition can cause anti-neoplastic properties, and, you know, a neoplasm is a cancer. And it has to do with that, but also there's another surface membrane receptor that's called PPARS, which is peroxome proliferator activation receptor, or PPAR gamma. And uh, that has to do on tumor cells, can sometimes express that. And um, by inhibiting that, you can get tumor regression or anti-proliferation. 
And it's been shown, but again, I want the caveat, Hal, is this is all animal studies. So they looked at breast cancer cell lines. They looked at lung cancer and prostate cancer. And that they speculated that CBD activation of the PPAR gamma may have a role in that. Also, it can have a role in degrading amyloid beta protein. And those plaques are the plaques that we see in the brain that we associate with Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of surface expression of these different receptors, GRP55 and PPAR gamma. And, you know, we're just learning now about how the fact that we have an ECS system that's expressed also in these types of cells you know, phytocannabinoids, there's this hope that phytocannabinoids can also affect some of these things. For example, energy homeostasis or maintaining glucose and insulin and lipid metabolism. There's this belief that it's through some of these receptors. It can modulate metabolic syndrome and diabetes and all these things. But the caveat, again, is all of these studies were done in animal studies. And because it's illegal federally, you know, we don't have a lot of the clinical data to back up use, you know. I have turned away cancer patients in my practice that want to give up all of their conventional therapies and just use this, especially when they're not at this stage and the conventional therapies do have clinical trials behind them to show that the chemo and radiation would help. Because in good conscience, I can't treat these people just with cannabis without the clinical data. So that's that's what we all have to push for. And frankly, you know, that's why we're doing this podcast to try and increase education and... Uh, we also work on uh, hopefully eventually taking off the federal illegality so we can do more research. Addressing the, uh, the clinical trial issue and FDA approval, there is a CBD-based medication called Epidiolex that has been approved for two very rare pediatric seizure uh, syndromes. And uh, it's fair to say that there have been near uh, miraculous responses to the use of Epidiolex in a select group of children. Uh, obviously, Dravet syndrome and Lennox-Gastaut syndrome are extremely rare but devastating uh, neurologic disease in young kids. Can you tell us a little bit about CBD's use in those two populations? Yes. So, um, and, and you could speak on this probably a little better, Hal, uh, because of your background as a pediatrician. But yeah, the, those two syndromes, terrible seizure disorders, hard to control with anything. And you know the issue with anticonvulsants and kids is there's a lot of side effects with the medication, um, and it can affect development if children are young. So um, this probably this is where most of the CBD research came from because it is the first FDA approved. What's interesting is GW Pharmaceuticals in England actually created it, not a synthetic. It comes from the plant. It's an isolate of CBD. So, you know, you won't have the entourage effect. There's no THC or anything. But it's speculated that it modulates the gated sodium channels um, and it can work on neuronal inhibition by inhibiting some of the calcium channels with GABA and then the trip 
V and GRP55, and it's still not clearly elucidated, but it is the first FDA-approved product. And one of the things that we should talk about briefly is that's part of the issue. You know, a lot of doctors maybe will use it for other severe seizure disorders off-label, which sometimes physicians can do with FDA products. But the majority of patients will just go to websites and order CBD. And there was a JAMA study that looked at a lot of CBD that's out there, you know, once the farm bill was passed in 2018, and there's just so many products. And I have to counsel my patients on how to pick a product because the JAMA study uh, that was done showed that 60% of the products don't have what's in the label. Either they have too much CBD or they don't have any CBD in it. And there's not a lot of uh, purity and there are some safety issues, you know. So you, I always counsel my patients. If you're going to pick a CBD product, make sure that they have certificates of analysis and ask to see that each batch has a certificate of analysis. And that says that not only does it have the percentages of what is in it, how much CBD, that the THC is less than 0.3%, but it also tells you whether it has contaminants, mold, bacteria, heavy metals. That's so important because cannabis is one of those plants that just suck some of the uh, the metallic products right out of the ground. They use it to remediate soil sometimes. So you have to be very careful when these products are made. So that CBD that I bought last week at the truck stop is probably not a good idea. Right. I give a list of reputable companies and... Um, and things like that to my patients. So it's important. But you can call any company. They should have a number. They should be able to show you certificates of analysis to prove that it has what it says it does on the label. That's why the FDA is getting a little worried about all these CBD companies and that it doesn't have any contaminants in it. So I think it should be obvious, if it's not, we'll make it obvious, that this is a very, very complex system that we're dealing with, that we have multiple receptors depending on what the ligand is, uh, THC specifically, uh, CB1 and CB2, but the effects that THC has is dependent not only on the receptor type, but where it's located. Likewise with CBD and the non-CB1, CB2 receptors that Lee's spoken to today, have different functions as well. We are in the infancy of our understanding. Even the top researchers in the world, the leading country, as Lee alluded to earlier, is Israel. And the top researchers in the Israel healthcare system has said that in his few years of studying cannabis, uh, he has discovered that he knows less than what he ever thought he would know. So we're just scratching the surface of THC, CBD, and the other cannabinoids as potential medicines. And we have to, to be vigilant, and we have to follow the literature, and we have to advocate to get this product rescheduled so that we can do the definitive clinical research trials that will tell us what it's good for and what the components are that treat what. So I'll get off a soapbox and, uh, and thank again Lee for uh, her excellent commentary and her addressing all of these things that we've discussed today. And we welcome you back 
to our final segment on pharmacology, which will address pharmacokinetics of both uh, THC and CBD. Thank you. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.